welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. You will hear me interview Andy Ryder, or Dee Ryder, to her friends. Dee is an amazing example of somebody who has fought through huge transformation to be themselves and to go after what it is that they are truly passionate about. Dee is a BAFTA-nominated film producer. She is incredible. She's a very old, old friend of mine. We used to live together um, in a house in Stockwell probably about eight years ago. But when we lived together, Dee was actually a man. So the other reason I wanted to interview Andy was to really have an honest conversation with her about how she has transformed, how she represents herself and how she shows herself to the world. Because not only has she been incredibly committed to her career in film, but she's been incredibly committed to being her authentic self. And sometimes in life that can be really, really difficult. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll be totally honest, you know, having watched my friend go through this incredible transformation, I didn't, I sometimes don't know whether to say he, she, you know, it's difficult. I, I wasn't sure how to approach this with her. And so we had a really open, honest conversation and I learned a lot actually, you know, literally what I really enjoyed from this interview was Dee was saying that she's exactly the same, which of course is so true, but how she now shows up and how she now presents herself in the world is different. And you will hear the most beautiful human being, um, very proud to be D-Rider's friend. And as I said, an incredibly talented human being who is BAFTA nominated. So I do and hope you enjoy this episode of Kitty Talks. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that inspire you to create yours. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing a very old but very amazing friend of mine. We've known each other for the last 18 years. Andy Ryder, D Ryder, welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you, Kitty. It's nice to be with you. 
So Dee, for me, has always been an incredible inspiration. She has always known what she wants to do with her life. And I've always really admired that. We lived together probably about, I don't know, 15 years or so ago. And right from the get-go, she always knew she wanted to be big in film and went after her dreams. And so I'm very pleased to say that Dee is a BAFTA-nominated, double BAFTA-nominated um, for most recently for the film McQueen, has three feature films under her belt and is the producer and co-managing director of Misfits Entertainment. So welcome to Kitty Talks. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you here because, as I said, I have always, I've always been a massive supporter. I hope you'll agree to that of your career and you going after your dreams. Um, and I was really excited to get you on the show because, for me, you know, for us doing our dharma, it's not always going to be easy. And I think you are testament to somebody who's so committed, and now you're just having amazing results in your career and in your life. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. And I have always noticed it. And it's been, it's been, um, hugely appreciated because at times of, uh, lesser confidence, it's nice to see people around, have people around you support and sort of, um, give you that extra strength to keep carrying on with what you're trying to do. So thank you. So when did you know you wanted to get into films, Dee? Um, I mean, I was making films from a very early age, like a teenager with, with my friends mucking about with their old Hi8 video camera. And mm-hmm. we used to edit with a tape, but I kind of didn't really, I, that was more just a passion and enjoyment. And I didn't really put it as a sort of lifestyle choice and career choice. And, you know, cause it's a hobby as well as a career for me. Um, yeah. and I think that became clear when I was at university because I went to university to do media and society which is a very broad subject um but I was mainly there because I was interested in film and I was catering all my courses to film and at that point I kind of realized hang on I think I finally realized that maybe I want to do this as a career and it's something Mm -hmm. I want to do for the rest of my life um so I was around about the age of 20 when I thought you know yeah this is something that's going to become yeah more than just just a hobby as well and did you at that point come up against, you know, people, the doubters, I like to call them, you know, the naysayers? Oh, really? Like, how did your parents react when you said, oh, you're going to be a filmmaker? I know your parents, um, so I know that they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they are. I mean, they were, they were very supportive from the start. You know, they, I think they, for a while, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I wasn't, I wasn't really that clear. I just, most of the time, I just enjoyed myself and enjoyed being young. Um, and, and then when they came up against it, I mean, actually, I remember the very first doubt, it was actually, it was at university, one of my lecturers, I remember we, we had this course and it was making films, you know, it was, it was basically the practical side of making films rather than just a theory. And I remember we came up with a pitch for something we wanted to do and it was a scripted fiction piece. And his advice was, well, that's going to be too hard for you to do because you're not qualified enough. So you should just make a documentary because it's easier. Um, which was immediately, I always remember that as being really strange advice because at university at a time, it's for experimenting and trying things out and making mistakes and learning. Um, and I always remember, and he kind of forced us to do a documentary in the end, but after university, as soon as we got out of university, the first thing I did was make a fiction film. And it was terrible, but I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how we learn, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And did you come up against people sort of saying, oh, you can't really make film a career and, you know, because that's the kind of classic is that creators bump into that a lot, you know, how can you make a living from something creative? 
Yeah, exa- yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, you do. I mean, it was. I kind of I spent a year after university trying to get jobs in the industry, mm-hmm. and and it was took me a long time. And you know, I got offered jobs, and I was getting offered jobs, um, media sales, sales jobs, like. I remember going to these horrendous interviews, like people just, you know, they're kind of cold calling, but like around businesses. And I kept getting offered them after interviews because I was going to them because I was broke and I was interested. Just, well, I was just trying to get money to survive. And, and then I, and then, and then, so I'd have the interview, but every time I got offered the job, I would end up saying, I'd end up turning it down because mm. I just didn't want to do it in the end. I knew it would make me unhappy. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And then at that point, that was difficult because I was, I was living back at my parents. Mm. I didn't have much money and they were kind of trying to, just trying to get me going and trying <laughs> to, you know, get, probably get me out of the house, to be honest. But, um, and, uh, and, and so uh, they were trying to get me into jobs and uh, even talked about it, me trying to get me in the police force, which was really weird because I, <laughs> really? I, I would never do that. Nothing wrong with the police force, but it's not for me. Um, Anyway, in the end, I um, I sort of managed to get a job in the industry, which was a sort of kickstart, I suppose. But um, yeah, it still wasn't enough because I was I was I was just making teas. I wasn't making my own films. And what? And I was going to say for anybody listening who wants to make a career out of film, how did your? What was your first sort of break? You said you got a job. Was it like a runner or? Yeah, it's yeah, it's called a runner in the industrial production system. Um, and actually, it was on for those of us old enough to remember it was on a show called Time Team. Oh, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, with uh, Tony Robinson and Phil Harding. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was um, uh, 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 agricultural. Um, I'm kind of forgetting the word, you know, where you, God, it's terrible. I worked in the phrases. Um, where you dig stuff up under the ground. And, <laughs> I know. Oh, God. You... Oh, my God. Archaeology. <laughs> Archaeology. That's terrible. That's really bad. Agricultural. <laughs> Agricultural. That's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> it's an archaeological program, but yeah, I worked on that as as a production assistant, and that's you know you're just you yeah you, as it sounds you just assist every kind of bit where you can, and a lot of it is yeah making teas, running around, driving stuff around, dropping around, you know, general general dog's body, um, but you know you start to connect and meet people and learn and yeah, and it was it was a great experience. And how did that, so talk me through, because obviously, you know, the whole point of Kitty Talks is that we empower and inspire people to step into their dreams. You know, I truly believe we all have a purpose on the planet. And actually those little intuitive nudges and those dreams that you've got are for a reason and for a purpose. And actually we need to go after our passions because that leads us to the correct path in life. So can you kind of give me the potted or the pivotal moments of how you went from being a runner, obviously, to what you're doing now, which is creating double BAFTA nominated films which is incredible um I mean the thing the thing with me is I was always um I wasn't I'm not very good at um working on shows that uh, don't interest me um or that I wouldn't watch um because I realized like it's not why I got in the industry I got in the industry to make films that inspire me or be involved in films that I watch and so obviously the film and tv industry is a really broad industry is massive and so you can end up working on stuff like time team was interesting but and it's uh, generally interesting because i like history mm. but it still wasn't really what i wanted to be doing in terms of what i wanted to be making so how i, I did this i was always i was having to work in the daytime in my day job in order to pay my rent um but i was i was starting i started meeting up with people who, who also wanted to make other films and we we started 
doing this in our free time, in the evenings, in the weekends. And we would be plotting and planning and making film, like how to make a film. And basically, we started making our own films that were our own uh, vision um, in our free time. But it's hard because you're, you're still doing a nine-to-five mm. regular 40 to 50 hour week in, in that, as I was at that time. And then I was having to fit it in in evenings and weekends. And so you have to find the energy to do that around. And that's hard because, yeah, it's, you end up sometimes doing seven day weeks all the time. Um, but, but along that, we, we experimented, we made different films and we just, we just continued to do that. So all the time I was working in the industry for other companies, mm. I was always making my own films in my spare time. Mm. Um, and obviously as I, the more I worked in the industry, the more I learned, the more people I met, um, and the more films I made, the more I learned because I made most of my first films were all terrible. Um, but you know, each one got slightly better or I learned more. Um, and the more, the more I pushed myself to make films and the more ambitious I got, the more I learned. And, you know, after a while I, I made a short film called Bale, which was probably after I'd been trying to add it for six, seven years. Um, and we kind of went, right, we're not just going to make these zero budget films anymore. We're going to raise, we went out and raised some money. It took me a year. We raised 15,000 pounds, um, which was just done. It was kind of, we kind of crowdfunded it before crowdfunding existed mm. for, um, you know, Kickstarter and all Indiegogo and all those things and uh, Cedars. Um, and we, yeah, we basically just got money from hundreds, maybe thousands of different people to get together 15 grand and made a short film called Bale, which was based on mine and the director's childhood of growing up in Rutland, which is in the East Midlands, the smallest county in the country. Mm. Um, it was a lot of our memories and we turned it into one 15 minute narrative. Um, and it was a disaster. The set got burned <laughs> down halfway through filming. Um, and, um, but which meant we ran out of money and we, we had an incomplete no. film. But we applied to what was called the UK Film Council at the time and they saw something in it and they gave us uh, another £8,000 to finish it off. And so we finished off the film. So we had to film some stuff a year later after we'd finished. So it was really cobbled together, that film. Um, but it went on to premiere at Edinburgh International Film Festival and it played in like over 100 film festivals around the world and it kind of really launched my producing career because before that I was kind of in the industry as a researcher by that oh. time and assistant still but that kind of I started getting music videos and commercials off the back of that excellent so and I have to like what I'm hearing is real dedication you know like you were mm. saying like it's not for the faint-hearted is it pursuing what you really love because I think you, this whole idea that, that you can be an overnight success what well, can you speak to that for me yeah it doesn't really happen in <laughs> you know unless um something I mean you know it's it's I think everything in our industry, it's, it's most people, it's just down to real, real long, hard work, you know? Mm. Um, you know, it's really hard work just getting to Bale. And Bale was like a short film that kind of launched me as a producer, but I still wasn't earning a great lot of money. You know, a lot of the time through Bale, I was most of the time out of money. I was in and out because I was always taking jobs here or there, but also wanted to do my own stuff. So I needed time off by that point to do it. And I was having to occasionally just, yeah, I was going to stay at my brother's for a little bit and it was hard really really hard and what kept it's you annoying going? not having money what kept you going um, why did you keep going I suppose I just really want to do what I want to do and want to make the films I want to do and I want to share those with people and I'm not I'm not driven by having uh huge amounts of money it's not something which 
which drives me. I'm, I want, obviously, I want to be comfortable in life, but I just, um, I'm usually pretty positive as well. I'm a positive person, so I will well, see yes. that there's, yeah, that's good. Um, there's always a, there's always a way of getting out of something. So, um, yeah, I think just a drive, a drive to succeed, a drive to make the films I want to make, and believing I, believing I have a voice and believing in myself to, to share that voice with people. And so talk me through the next stage of the sort of evolution of your in your film career. So you did Bale. And when did you set up Misfits? Where does that come in the uh, time order? Yeah, so um, we, so Bale was like my first, like, I really see that as a pinnacle. Pinnacle? Is that the right P- word? Pinnacle? Pivotal? Yep. Piv- pivotal. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, yeah. Still the morning. Still the morning. <laughs> um, a, uh, a pivotal moment in, uh, in, in my career because it got me going. But then, I made a few other short films, but I was still really, I was still having to work in the industry and doing jobs. I mean, I, at that point, I was starting to get really big jobs on Hollywood films. Like I was working on, I worked on Stardust, um, mm, which is a really, really beautiful film. Yeah, I worked on it for about a year in the end. And that was a great experience because I met a lot of people. I met a visual effects producer who took me on to work on um, Batman Dark Knight. Um, wow. I then worked on Doomsday, The Wolfman, and I started getting lots of, this was all like, but I, you know, I was a very small cog and a very big machine on those sure. things. But again, it was good experience. Um, but in the meantime, I was st- still making other short films. I made a film called Hit and Run. I made a film called, um, Ten Tigers. I made a film called The Crossing. Um, and they were just good short films. Started to get me, I, I did lots of music videos. Um, but then I realized I was getting in, stuck in the short film world. I was just making these short films and it was tiring because I was still doing it all in my free time. Um, and it wasn't getting me any money to be able to quit doing the other work and only do my own films that I wanted to make. Um, so I looked at how I'm going to stop just making short films and get to what we call in the films, it's like your first feature. It's a big step, your first feature. Um, and so I worked out how I could do that. I fought long and hard. And then, um, so I started developing feature film projects, but I realized no one was taking us seriously. Cause when you're, it's a different proposition going around trying to find money, maybe 10, 20 grand for a short mm. film. When you're trying to make a feature, it's usually hundreds of thousands of pounds, maybe more, mm. um, over a million depends on the film. But on ours, we were trying to find, uh, we were making a film called Alley Cats and we were trying to find in the end, it was half a million pounds. That's a lot more money and mm. trying to get people to take it seriously, we couldn't. So we ended up going back to what we knew how to do, but we made a, sh- a, sh- a short film again, mm. but it was a proof of concept for Alley Cats. It wasn't just a short film on its own, like a standalone piece. And so we went out and we shot this short film of Alley Cats and that, and that started to really move things along. That made, made um, because it, we, we could say, here, here's this feature film we want to make. Here's the script, here's the, mm. all the visuals, but here's also a short film which is basically just a proof of concept for this bigger vision. And that enabled people to believe in me and the director because we could show like a 10 minute segment of that film that looked really good. Mm. Yeah. And it looked really good. And that, but that, you know, that, that was a two, three year process. I mean, I think from when wow. we started it to when we actually got it made, it was seven years. Mm. Wow. Seven years. Yeah. And by the time it was finished, it was nine years. But when I first started talking about the project with Ian, the director, and who's now my business partner, Mistress Entertainment, it was, um, it was seven years, so it was nine years in the making. You see, what again, what I love, and, and this is something I see 
because I have a, a Diodharma course and I always encourage my students to work out where they're going. So y- your job is to know what you want, not necessarily how it's going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, very true. Yeah. And what I can hear in your sharing is that you worked out what you wanted and then you just went for it. You, you know, you, you didn't necessarily know how you were going to get from A to B, but by, you know, the clarity comes through the engagement. Very know. true. Yeah. But yeah, nine years, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a long, long time. But, you know, you, you set out exactly that where you want to be and you try and, you try and work out a path to get there. But the one thing you'll know, and actually this is something which, um, uh, actually my dad's always said, he's, it's like the one thing you know about a schedule and a plan is it will change. Mm. Um, so you just, but you just have to keep, you know, keep being flexible and adapting to it. But, um, so yeah, you just, you, you set some goal lines along the way and you just try and get to those each, each as you can. And then maybe you have to adjust every now and again. But as long as you know what your end goal is and you keep at it, mm. that's what I would always, always, um, encourage. And you, you know me well, Andy, and you know I do. I'm, I'm a bit woo woo in my thinking. Have you explored? Well, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you would probably share some of my, my woo woo ness, but, um, have, what type of, have you had it sort of crazy weird synchronicities along this path? You know, like that kind of, you know, sometimes we get these amazing kind of, experiences when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing on the planet like is there any kind of synchronicities that you can share with me or any kind of you know sometimes you just get this confirmation that you're going the right way um and it's um, just to be clear is this synchronicities with people or just synchronicities with the the world around us is that well I think I would say just in general you know like quite often I kind of put something out there and then you know somebody will just appear who kind of then can solve the problem that I have or you know it just kind of those um sometimes you get those feeling that feeling that you're just on the right path and you're being supported you know I truly believe when we do our dharma that you know when it's what we came to do and in your case I truly believe you know film is your thing um that we will get sort of signs and signals that we're going in the right direction yeah I mean I think from a personal point of view, meeting my meeting my business partner Ian was um, was a big thing because we we connected and we sort of we both have a similar. He's incredibly hardworking as well, and and know you know has a true vision to get there and works hard to do the, the you know achieve the best he can um, within film. So that was definitely that was definitely a big big um, step. I, and I think um, you know align, aligning myself around you know with um, with other people, other filmmakers was a big, real big step forwards as well. Um, with other, seeing how I progressed for each film has really mm-hmm. helped me. Um, and I mean, I must admit, Kitty, because when, when I lived with you, you, um, you inspired me a while as well to do your, uh-huh. do your own thing because you've always been, um, well, I suppose not always, but in, in recent years, you know, what you've, what you've achieved and the way you've gone about living your life in your own, uh, on your own terms and exploring yourself and being your best self. Um, that was actually happening around the time I was trying to get Alley Cats going. And uh, I don't, I don't say it slightly and I really mean it. You were actually inspiring to me. Um, and so that was, that was quite, that was, um, that was quite, quite a uh, <laughs> pivotal moment, I suppose, again, because yeah. that was seeing that happen around me. And I suppose that helped me with another journey I went through as well. So. Mm. 
Yeah, thank you. I, well, we've never really talked about that. But um, yeah, I think when we lived together, I was really trying to change who I was and I wasn't happy with kind of the environment and the lifestyle I built around me. And I was trying to, like a butterfly almost sort of coming out, yeah. a caterpillar going into a butterfly. Um, you did that, have a coming out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um and that kind of brings me on to something else I wanted to talk to you about because something else I'm really inspired by you is we talked about this before we came on air and you know, you've changed how you have presented yourself in the world. Yes. Um, so that was your words, not mine. Would you be, because <laughs> <laughs> I would probably said something different, but would you be open to just sort of sharing with our audience how you have changed your presentation in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, um, most of you can probably tell by the, the, the pitch of my voice, usually is the biggest giveaway. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a transgendered woman and I, I used to present uh, in a far more masculine way than I do now. Um, and um, yeah, that's some a journey that I've gone through, particularly in recent years. And um, what we call the transitioning process has been very recent. Um, I'm pretty much coming to the end of it, which is, thankful because it's quite it's quite a difficult time and it was just a lot of sort of effort to be honest it's a lot of Mm. um you know it's a lot of uplift and change and upheaval in your life and which is which is challenging all around you you know with your loved ones um and um but yeah I've I've been been been, been going through that so yeah that's um and obviously when I lived with you I didn't present that way I knew knew I was starting to explore my gender Mm -hmm. um but I was still presenting in a very masculine way day to day well, I have to say I'm really, really proud of you because I think when we commit to being our best selves, to being our authentic selves, you know, that isn't necessarily always easy for us us, and for others around us, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have to say I'm really proud of you for being on your journey and, you know, being authentic, being, what's the word I'm looking for? Being authentic to yourself, actually, because I presume if you haven't cha- hadn't have changed the way you presented yourself to the world, then that would have become really increasingly uncomfortable. Um, but it's a big step, you know. It's- yeah, exactly. It, it 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 became a point where it was it was just too uncomfortable. I mean, I often find a lot of people use the word courage and things like that, and actually, it gets to the point where you know you're so brave and all this, and it's like. It gets to a point though for me where there was there was no option, you know, it was it became too uncomfortable mm. presenting that way. I was Yeah, I was I was I was done with it and you know, it was I, I I that was a way that I'd done as a way of survival, I suppose. Um and a way of you know, I just had the way of the environment around me when I grew up, you know, was was that that, you know, um that's the way I got conditioned, I suppose, to present myself. Um but it got to a point um, when I was about 30, I'm 38 now, um, where it just, it just really, I realized that something wasn't right and I really had to, um, really had to change it if I wanted to live my life on my terms. Um, and that, that was a key part. I sort of, in the end for me, I realized that if I didn't change it, I wouldn't be living my life on my terms. I'd be living it worrying about what other people thought about me and worrying about the world around me and actually what mattered to me was living the life the way I wanted to mm-hmm. and the way I would be, it might make things more difficult and it might be challenging. Um, but it was really important for me to live in my skin on my terms. 
Mm, beautiful. I always say what other people think of us is none of our business. No, of course not. None <laughs> of their business. <laughs> and if, and if, they, if they think um, things that are negative and uh, that are, um, yeah, detrimental to those people or just have um, any way that is just other than supporting someone else for being their best self unless they hurt other people, um, then, um, then I just, I, I don't, I fully actually don't really understand that. I, mm-hmm. I actually have difficulty com- um, computing it really. Why would someone think negatively of someone else who's um, just living their life the way they want to? Mm. Yeah. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts actually, because I, in my own transformation, in my own kind of journey, you know, going from a caterpillar to a butterfly, I have <laughs> lost lost is the wrong word I would say I've almost evolved and I've maybe don't resonate with people that I did before you know it's almost like you are at a different point you're you outgrowing sounds a bit condescending but you just don't you don't necessarily have so much in common with those people anymore and and actually I now I'm very fussy about who I spend my time with I only wanted to spend my time with people who fully support me um, and who are on the same journey, actually, as me. Yeah, I, I would, and that's really, I think that's really important because um, those people who don't fully support you or maybe pretend to, but you know kind of underneath don't, um, are only, only negative um, to, your, uh, to your dharma, to your energy. Um, and I think they just don't allow you to be... Um, yourself and it will have an effect on you and I think I think it's really important um to sort of it's not to push those people away that's the one but just just to control that and in, in a sort of way, knowing that yeah because you, you just know that if those people it does affect you and you end up you know and you're in this sort of um you end up kind of th- thinking about it a lot when you're with them and they're judging you and all this thing and it's just it's just not very supportive and um and I mean I know that about about you Kitty I've, I've seen that and um, and I think you, you've done exactly the right thing because you, you've moved and um, come out in the way that you want to, uh, to live your life um, in your best terms. And if, if people are going to be uh, judgmental of anyone to do that, then they're just not the right people to be around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, I, because I, I, I have, I've had, a, I've had that. I've, I've a lot, I have lost some friends, not, not a huge amount. But um, there were some people who acted really funnily around me. And you have to be patient as well. I think mm-hmm. if you're not patient with people, though, I think you're also not um, giving them the same uh, time that you're giving yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think Good so. You, I, think, I think you need to, like any kind of change that people go through in the way that they present or are in the way they live their life, if you just expect people to, from one day to the next, just change with you. It's mm-hmm. kind of unfair and, and not really like for me, it took me years to sort of pull the strength to come out and be, be the best me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, but I, a lot of that was internal before it was external. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I don't give the other people that time, then I'm not giving them the same time that I gave myself. Um, and I don't think that's fair. Mm. Um, but after a while though, if they've had quite a while and they're still not getting it, then maybe there's something wrong and then, and then they need a chat and then if they, and then, and then if there's something wrong, then it's just something wrong. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But no, that's a lovely point actually. You know, that's really nice and very, um, giving of you actually 
to is all right. It's, you know, I think um, it's important that people are, you know, for me, human beings are human beings, you know, and the sooner we all realize we are all one, you know, the sooner that we realize that the person who isn't doing so well on who's homeless on the street is us, you know, yeah, we, you know, we need to pull together as a race. Um, yes, but, of course. Mm. So, what's next for you, my darling, um, in this world takeover well, within film? Um, next is, I mean, we, so we are, uh, we, much of the fallout of McQueen has happened now. The BAFTAs were. And how uh, was just that? Over, oh my God, I haven't got a month ago. So you, I saw all the pictures, <laughs> I saw your dress, I saw you on the red carpet, I was like watching your store, Insta stories. How was it? What was an experience? It was, um, it was a phenomenal experience. It was, it was funny because I don't make films to win awards. Uh, you know, I make films that I, I hope people appreciate. And as long as a few people appreciate a film I made, then we're happy. You know, that's, that's what you're making. It is our art meet, it is art meets business. We still, we still have to commercialize it in a way that we can make a living off it because we run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, it's again, not about making our millions, but, um, but yeah, it was funny when you sort of, you know, when the whole thing happened and, and I suppose in a bit of the, uh, bit of the af- aftermath now, you can look back on it and go, yeah. I mean, there was, there is always a little bit of you that, of course, occasionally thinks about going to the BAFTAs or the Oscars, you know, and getting, getting there. And of course, getting the acceptance speech, which we didn't get on this occasion, but, um, we always look back at it and say, if anyone had told us we'd get one yeah. BAFTA nomination, let alone, mm-hmm. let alone two for a film, um, we'd have been over the moon just with one. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd probably been over the moon just being shortlisted because you get shortlisted on email. So, but yeah, to get the actual double nomination, it was a huge, huge achievement and mm-hmm. um, something we'll be eternally proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole experience was, it was crazy. It was surreal. It was, you know, you go on this red car. I've been to many a film premiere in my life and, and there, always fantastic and exciting because everyone's when you finally finish these these behemoth of films that we all take on um but you get there and 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 they're massive but when i've never been to anything like i've been to baftas it was just on another scale it was just so many talented people from front and behind Mm -hmm. the camera and all over and uh it was just it was it was bonkers and it was all it was maybe a little bit overwhelming at times it was so huge and um after party was great fun um but yeah i can look back on it and just it was it was amazing and i suppose it was really good for confidence as well because mm. you realize that you know you're surrounded by all these incredibly well-known people from i suppose in front of the camera more than i think most people know people from front of the camera than they do from behind the camera um but you you know and you realize you know you're all just you're all just doing your thing you're all just there you're all making movies and you're all just um trying to make the best films you can and then you're all there to celebrate together and that was that was really good actually and I've taken a lot of confidence from that um so yeah it was it was a phenomenal experience and uh, one I'm going to remember for a long time I think well until the Oscars because that you know that's next obviously not <laughs> not that the, not that you're going after it but it's just a natural progression I can tell <laughs> no we we you know you learn from each each film and mm. we learn a lot from making McQueen it was um it was it was it was a phenomenally tough film. We made it in a very short space of time, quicker than you'd normally make a documentary, and um, and that was tough. That had its own run, but we the outcome is was 
was really proud. You know, we, I knew when I saw it right towards the end, I was like, actually, this is a really strong film. Um, but yeah, we, we want to make a better film next time. You know, we want to, we want to make films every time and that's what we do every time. And we look back at every film that we make and think how can we improve and make a better film? And that's always, mm-hmm. that's our aim. And some films are designed to be more audience driven and some mm-hmm. are more art house and we make a bit of both. And so some, it, there's a different sort of opinion on what is a better film, but mm, yeah, sure. we're always, we're always learning. So, Andy, what is next for you? For me, um, what is next? So, as a company and filmmaker, we are developing a lot of projects. Um, we've got a new documentary it looks like we're attached to. I can't say what it is yet. But it's very exciting. Um, we're developing a, a lot of documentary series now. So, we're trying to make things which are um, developing content, which comes over a longer uh, tells a longer, bigger story than a one-off feature film. Um, and we're developing um, a horror film set in Mexico, but it's kind of like, it's um, a bit like Let the Right One In. It's not sort of, I don't know if you saw Let the Right One In. If you haven't, you should. It's a beautiful film. Um, it's more of a, what we call a, like a horror drama. So, um, yeah, we've, we've got a lot on us today. We're developing a transgender drama. Um, oh, fantastic. With a, yeah, I'm really excited about that. We're working with a filmmaker called Jake Graff, um, who's an up-and-coming transgender filmmaker, and he makes a lot of queer content, queer films. And this will be his first feature film. But um, it's, it's, I'm really excited because it's a very powerful film. And then apart from that, you know, he's a transgender man. I'm a transgender woman. So we're sort of quite um, – I'm enjoying working with him. We've got, we've got a lot in common. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're developing um, – a document series and then the scripts and stuff. So um, what else? Um, and then, yeah, personally, my personal life mm. is good. We're thinking about, um, uh, I'm still working out. I'm in London at the minute, still considering moving somewhere, potentially to okay. LA for a little bit. Yeah. Ooh, so exciting. Yeah, I know. It's just, I've, al- I've always actually wanted to live abroad. I actually realized I've never lived abroad. So um, yeah, that's something we're considering, but um, yeah. We'll, we shall see. And how people? Yeah. How can people listening to this interview um, find you, support you? I know you've got an Instagram account. Any other ways you'd like they'd like them, you you would like them to connect with you? Yeah, the the best way is I'm I'm I do any kind of my social sharing on Instagram. I don't Facebook's only for people I've met, um, and I don't use Twitter. I just did, found it a bit much for me. But um, um, Instagram, I um, it's quite annoying. It's the triple underscore rocks. Or an easy way sometimes is you're going through my company and you look, if you search for Misfits Entertainment on Instagram, it, it links you to my profile there. It says run by D-Rocks and my business partner. So that's probably the easiest way if you go to Misfits Entertainment Instagram. Okay. Perfect. Well, we'll have all of these details in the show notes. But I want to thank you so much because I know that your story, you know, you going after your film dream will inspire so many people. So thank you for coming on Kitty's Talks. Uh. 
Well, thank you for having me. And it's, um, it's nice to catch up as ever. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I hope it's insightful. I feel like I've just been rambling, but yeah, I hope it's been <laughs> No, I really enjoyed it. I think it was fantastic. So guys listening, I'd love to know what you got from this interview. What were your insights? You know, what is it that you are going after to do your dharma? And we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So how was that? Isn't she amazing? Like, you know, somebody who's truly gone after their film career from a very young age when she slept on couches, didn't know where the money was coming from, but was committed to her dream. And remember, your dreams are made for you. Yeah, they're not random. They are truly made for you. And when you commit to them, when you go after them unashamedly, then you are doing your dharma. So thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, come and tag me. If you've listened to this episode, please tag me. Let me know. Let me know what you thought. Please share some love. Please tag me on Instagram. Come follow us on Instagram. Come say hello. We have a free Facebook community, which you are more than welcome to join. And I will see you next week with another amazing guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Kitty Talks podcast. I do hope you enjoyed this episode and I too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life. You know, all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition. They will be created. You are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught. If you want some help and support, come and join us. Doyourdharma.co.uk. Apply now. We're taking applications and we're going to help you, support you, creating the dream life. This is why you came. <laughs>